Hello and welcome to another edition of the Purple Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Parker Fleming. It is West Virginia Game Week, and I have with me, as always, our co-host, Grant McGalliard. Grant, how are you this evening? I'm doing fantastic, Parker. It is West Virginia Game Week. It is Masters Week. Uh, I'm not leaving the couch for the next 72 hours, so uh, it's going to be great. Well, some might say I haven't left the couch for the last uh, six months, but uh, it'll be nice to have a, have a reason to not leave the couch. Yeah, oh. I, you know, I, I, never, I never was working from home. So while you're there uh, compiling all your stats and feeding things into the computer, uh, you know, all, all, your, all your fancy business, uh, some of us have to go to work, Parker. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know what work is at all. Uh, <laughs> my life is just sitting in front of a computer screen. Uh, TCU has West Virginia this week. West Virginia, 37th overall in SP+. They're 74th on offense, but they're 20th on defense. Uh, SP+, has this as a projected West Virginia win. 5.7 point margin. They are playing in Morgantown, uh, a place that is notorious for being a little bit uh, strange and a little bit difficult to win at. TCU and West Virginia have certainly had some barn burner games, some overtime two-point conversions, some last-second comebacks in, uh, in Morgantown. So it should be interesting this weekend uh, overall, I do believe. It should be. Uh, the last two games have not exactly gone TCU's way between these two teams. Uh, 2018 was a game that I completely blocked out. It was 47 to 10 in West Virginia. And I remember that just being a complete misery fest. Uh, and then, well, we don't have to talk about what happened last year. But I do think uh, that, um, one, if we get 100 paid subscribers, we'll release the lost podcast uh, that was uh, us after the West Virginia game last year. Uh, two, I'm pretty sure TCU, like, yes. Okay, I, I pulled up the box score to make sure. 2018 was hilarious because TCU was up three to nothing after the first quarter. And then West Virginia yes. scored 24 points in like six minutes in the second quarter. Yeah, that's yeah. a game that I forgot had existed. Um, you just knew it was going to happen, but it was the first yeah. minute you were like, is this one of those TCU games? Is this going to happen? And in the second quarter, West Virginia very politely said, no, no, it's not going to happen. And that was Dana Holgerson on the way out. Like, that was the last game Holgerson coached against TCU, and they beat the snot out of which, the Horn Which you could totally believe, like – Holgerson saying, look, man, I know I'm out of here. I know this is getting odd. I know this situation is untenable. I'm going to get one more notch in my belt against Patterson before I go. Yeah, and look, kudos to him. Uh, I could say a lot of things about Dana Holgerson, good and bad, but uh, that, that was a, a well-coached game. Um, very different West Virginia team now, and, and we'll get into that later under Neil Brown. Uh, as you said, defense, sort of an emphasis, but uh, – Parker, there is one really peculiar storyline going into this game that I know you wanted to talk about. Yes. Okay. So on, on Tuesday uh, at the press conference, Gary Patterson uh, mentioned very few things. He said very little. He said perhaps as little in a press conference as I have ever heard him say. And that's, but, that's, that's saying something. Right. That is, a, that is a high bar to clear. Uh, he did mention that a, a TCU offensive player is taking snaps – at cornerback because TCU is so thin at cornerback right now um, with Noah Daniels being out with um, Keon Stewart having some trouble uh, injury wise as well. Uh, CJ Caesar split uh, a lot of the time last week and had a rough time. And so they're, they're kind of cycling some, some potential options there to, to shore up the depth and just make sure the rotation gets everybody fresh legs out there. So Grant, this isn't the first time that TCU has had an offensive player play quarterback, right? You were telling me about this? Yes. So, shout out the uh, Fort Worth Star-Telegram article. Uh, um, we have proof. Uh, Matt Martinez wrote this on September 17, 2016. Deontay Gray, if you remember, uh, started at cornerback in place of Rantany Tejada against Iowa State uh, and had two tackles and broke up a pass. Um now, he did miss two tackles on a drive that ended in Iowa State's only touchdown of the first half, so he did not play much in the second half. Uh, but this, there is precedent here. Uh, TCU has used a wide receiver on defense before. To be fair, they did use a wide receiver on defense when Iowa State was using a linebacker at quarterback. That is extremely fair. Uh, shout out Joel Lanning, one of the more entertaining college football players the last five years. Um, you, you have theories about this. I think, uh, oh, I don't even think I have a theory. I think I have the answer. I think it's less fun okay. than that. I'm, I'm pretty sure this is Keon Stewart. 
In fact, I would, I would, no, you, you, no, mm-mm. Kendra Miller. Sorry. Thank you. I'm, I'm very sure this is Kendra Miller. Kendra Miller was recruited as an athlete. He played defense in, in high school. He played both ways. Um, he kind of has the body for it out of anyone you could see on TCU's offensive side of things. And, and I think, I think it's Kendra Miller that's, that's taking reps at, at corner there and could potentially be good at it. Who knows? Well, TCU does have a stacked running back group. I mean, they don't exactly need Miller to, uh, he, he's, I think he's been a, a good surprise this year right, right. at running back, but they don't need him. Um, Certainly I, an area where they can afford to parse some depth and try and shore up otherwhere. So that, that's really what made me think about it. No, I agree. I, I think the, other, the only other name that I'm curious about would be Darius Davis, um, who, I mean, he, he played corner in high school, uh, according to GoFrogs, had three sacks, four quarterback hurries, seven pass breakups, and two interceptions. One was a pick six uh, in high school. He was a number three cornerback in Louisiana coming out of high school. Interesting. The only thing there is, I just, I just, with with how worried the staff is about like injuries and all that, I just can't imagine they would take someone who's played such a prominent role in the uh, in the return game and and potentially sacrifice him elsewhere. So we're going to get to that in a minute, but it's interesting you say that. Can I tie this all together with a bow? Yeah, please do. Darius Davis's 73-yard punt return for a touchdown in the season opener uh, in 2018 against Southern was the first by a TCU true freshman in his collegiate debut since Deontay Gray. Weird. Okay, I was going to say Sky Thompson, but uh, – Freaky, huh? Yeah, that's crazy. Well, that okay, but Deontay Gray's freshman year was what, like – 2012. Wow. Wow. Okay. That's, We're old. that's yeah, I'm old. That's that's longer ago than I thought it was. Um dang. Interesting. Okay. Well, yeah, so I, I don't think it'd be curious. This kind of this kind of begets the question though. Who's who's the offensive player you would most like to see play corner? Uh that is and a why really is it good Andrew question. Coker? Okay, that's <laughs> I was going to say something very mean about um, wanting to see an offensive line and play defense because it would mean that they weren't playing offensive line anymore. Uh, <laughs> oh, darn. Um, Brandon Coleman has to start a tackle because Andrew Coker is our backup corner. What a what a shame. Uh, oh, Jordy Sandy. He, he does have leg tattoos, and I, I just imagine that's, that's a really, really big asset for a corner. You're telling me it's 6'3", 216". Australian man isn't going to like punch you with the line of scrimmage. Like they're not breaking on him at the line. They, they might outpace him, but he's going to jam them hard. And because he's Australian, they don't throw a flag if he punches somebody. Cause they're like, Oh, he has different football rules. It's fine. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Who's your, uh, who's your pick? Uh, so I thought about, I mean, I think Tay Barber could be an amazing corner. I obviously don't want him off the offensive side of the ball, but it was like, hey, life and death, who's, who's playing corner? I think Kendra Miller is a really good pick, obviously, and is probably the pick. But then, but then I think that Tay Barber would probably be the best at it. Okay, I don't hate that. I think Mikel Barkley's got a good body for it too. But yeah, Barber's, Barber's kind of built like a he's, – he's, he's a stout dude, 5'9", 185. Like, you're not going to push him around. Yeah, which is, I mean, TC's cornerbacks are all, you know, 155 pounds soaking wet, holding two bricks in their pockets. And so yeah. uh, it would be nice to have a little, a little girth there. It's a fun word. Um, yeah, <laughs> I agree. Hopefully, hopefully, I mean, I, hopefully it doesn't come to that. I, I, th- I think it will. it doesn't but... come to that. We have seen time and time again, I'm not saying names, it's fine. We've seen time and time again TCU corners be put in positions where they were unprepared and get burned. Mm-hmm. And they bounce back really, really strongly. Uh, they do. So, sometimes it's 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 kind of unavoidable, right? It's injury luck. Yeah. Um, you know, a, a lot of times these corners weren't meant to play, but sometimes you just kind of have to make do with what you have. Um, so hopefully we'll see that bounce back. Trying yeah. to be polite here, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, one one can only hope because they are playing a. a, a West Virginia team who is 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 pretty experienced at the pass, who is pretty um, relatively their their comparative advantage is in the passing game, and so anything TCU can do to kind of stifle that on the on the outside is going to be um, really really beneficial. Um, Grant, I I did a bad thing. Can I okay. tell you the bad thing that I did? I didn't do a bad. It wasn't bad. I just went and looked around at some previews 
West Virginia TCU to see what the West Virginia side of things was, was saying. And I didn't find a ton, but I found myself on uh, w, WVUSports.com, which I believe is the official, like the GoFrogs equivalent mm-hmm. um, website. And they had some amazing things to say about TCU. And so before we preview West Virginia for the TCU matchup, I'd like to talk about how West Virginia is previewing TCU, if that's all right. Um, Please here's what you've got to worry about. And I'm reading a direct quote here. Statistically, TCU's strongest area is punt return where the Horn Frogs rank sixth nationally at 15.9 yards per return. Last week, junior Darius Davis returned four punts for 103 yards against Texas tech with two of those returns setting up TCU scores. Here's the question I have to ask you. Is he wrong for saying that TCU's strongest area is punt return? No, he's not. Statistically, TCU's strongest area is punt return. Uh, ah, yeah. It, it's, you know, it's funny when we say it. It's mean when someone else says right. it. Right. It sounds very disrespectful when someone else is like, well, they're really good at the punt return, I guess. The, the flip side of that is, is TCU, um, I mean, in terms of like starting field position, TCU has been really, really bad. They're uh, – 70th in the nation starting on average at their own 29.1. But even when they have good field position, like it doesn't matter. TCU doesn't, the probability of TCU scoring does not increase when they, <laughs> when they get, no. they start closer to the goal line. It's just completely random throwing darts at a, at a, at a map. Like, are they going to score or not? Right. Um, yeah, I, I do. Can I, can I give a shout out to this West Virginia feature? This is fantastic. I wish TCU did things like this. The, you, uh, I'm, you know, no free ads, but their uh, their previews each week are like are, are really comprehensive and have good quotes and stuff. And they're written um, into a narrative. Like TCU does yeah. sort of this, but it's like, hey, here's a list of facts, and this is this is a narrative. Yeah, good for you, West Virginia. Shout out John Antonick. Thank you, John Antonick. You're doing a great job. Um, yeah, so that that made me laugh. There's a lot of really good quotes in here. There's one that I really want to say, but I will refrain from twisting Neil Brown's words uh, on this podcast. Um, you should just read the quote and we won't comment. That's the compromise. <clears throat> They've got great ball get off, Brown said. So you 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 guess the <laughs> you guess the context. Let the uh, reader understand. <laughs> let the reader understand. Um, the one. Uh, one, I guess we should probably get into the preview now, and um, I'll let you drive, but I do want to point out um, West Virginia is not certain that Letty Brown is going to play. Uh, he's their leading running back. Yes, he, he went out pretty early against Texas and, and looked First play of the game, be, he was hurt. Uh, yeah, looks, looks, looks questionable, if not limited, uh, or limited, if not questionable, rather, is the way I should say that, for Saturday, um, which he's one of the better, you know, in, in a conference that has some amazing running backs, uh, Brees Hall, Deuce Vaughn, uh, L- L.D. Brown, Letty Brown has been, has been one of those for sure. Um, so, yeah, I think that'll be interesting. West Virginia is uh, – they're only 36th at rushing success rate. Um, and so, so really what, what's crazy about that is they're 17th in explosiveness on the rush. So, like, they are consistently not running the ball well. Mm-hmm. But Letty Brown is able to break open the big run, which, Grant, that's, that's like the recipe for TCU disaster right there. That's, that's very scary. So if TCU could get, you know, if, if Luddy Brown needed to take a week to, to get right, that would be only to TCU's benefit just because West Virginia's rushing game is entirely explosiveness and, and almost none of, uh, of efficiency. So you're telling me a, a break but don't bend defense is playing a really explosive but inconsistent offense. Surely, Parker, surely this won't be incredibly frustrating. What could go wrong? Um, I, I'm actually so I'm 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 very weirded out. Is that a is that a professional term? Can I say the professional term? I'm very I, I, weirded out by the striking similarities of these two offenses. So Grant, before I monologue about some stats and offer some commentary there and ask for some feedback, tell me about Neil Brown. What's Neil Brown doing on offense generally? Uh, like if, if I'm an idiot, what's Neil Brown's offense? So Neil Brown is straight from the how mummy tree, right? Um, and what that means is that he's an air raid guy. Uh, 
they're going to run. They're going to be at a shotgun. It's, 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 you could call it spread, but it, but it's air raid. It's its own system. Um, Brown played under Mumby at the university of Kentucky and his assistants, Mike Leach. Um, if you've heard of him, I don't know if you're familiar with Mike Leach. Um, is he the guy who posts memes? He, <laughs> the sad part is there are multiple college football coaches that I could say are the man that posts memes. <laughs> Shout out Lane Kiffin. Um, Put that on the off-season content list. Yes, uh, but, but Brown has been like steeped in, um, in, in sort of the air raid kind of spread. I mean, a, a, outside of Mummy, he worked under Tommy Tuberville um, at Tech, and they called it the NASCAR spread offense. Sitting U.S. Uh, Senator Tommy Tuberville, I mind you. I have a lot of things to say. Uh, <laughs> huh. um, and then now, yeah, so, so anyway, so, but it's, it's, they're going to run it, and then they're going to run stick. Right. And so it's just all about getting your receivers in space. Um, so they're going to run stick. They're going to run four verts. They're going to, you know, use tempo and just try to get, you know, I think we talked about this last year. I, I don't remember if we were previewing or if we were just kind of talking about books that we'd read that, that, that um, helped us understand college football. But when you're playing a team, especially an air raid team, look at where the grass is, right. That's where the receivers are trying to go. Um, they're, they're trying to run routes to get them open in space. Sometimes they'll be quick. Again, sometimes it'll be four verts. Um, they're going to run a lot of base plays that they have a lot of options on, and receivers sometimes can pick and choose what to run off those base formations. Um, so you're going to say, wow, I think they just ran the same play five times in a row. And, yeah, they might run mesh five times in a row, and two receivers run uh, parallel to the line of scrimmage, and it's kind of hard to defend. Um, they're going to make you be disciplined, and they're going to make you uh, – cover space um that's off the top of my head the best i can describe the air raid there's so many good writing uh pieces of writing out there that describe the air raid offense but it's going to be a lot of really uh really quick hitting passes yeah it's it, it's it's very similar to texas tech and matt wells who's who's also from that that tree except that west virginia does it better so yeah um the the, the thing that i'm i'm most uh i'll, I'll say again weirded out about is how similar TCU and West Virginia are um, in, 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 in a couple of ways, but there's a key difference. So uh, West Virginia, their average depth of target, so the distance between the yard, uh, the line of scrimmage and the, uh, where the receiver catches the ball downfield is 7.07. TCU's is 6.58. Um, they both have explosive rushes and explosive passes about 10% of the time. So their, their explosive rate is very, very similar. Um, they're both averaging about 3.3 yards after the catch. Um, and they're both running play action only about 27% of the time. So about one in four passes is, involves play action. Um, and so very, very similar. They're both throwing. The other stat I like is, is distance to the sticks. So when you throw a pass, how far away are you from the first down line? And they're both about two, two yards away. TCU is closer to three than two, and West Virginia is about two. But, but very, very similar there. Um, and, and so the key difference, Grant, I think is really, really interesting. And uh, tell me if this is too obtuse, and I'll explain this, because I'm kind of real-timing this right here. But TCU's depth of target is 6.58. West Virginia is a 7.07. That only accounts for kind of the vertical distance on the field. If you account for the horizontal distance on the field and kind of create, you know, what's the, the as the crow flies distance yes, of the, the pass? The, uh, the hypotenuse, if you will. The hypotenuse. That, uh, I, I, I'm that calling triangle. that uh, geometric air yards, if you will. Um, and TCU is 19.1. West Virginia is 18.0. So West Virginia is throwing the ball further down the field but they're asking their quarterback to throw it actually a shorter distance as the crow flies, um, which is a very air raid thing, attacking the middle of the field, cross, mesh, uh, mm -hmm. uh, hitch, stick, like all those kinds of things. Um, but also they're, they're, they're very, very selective about the routes that they run. Um, the other key difference for me between these two offenses is TCU is running an RPO 15.8% of passes. So what, one and eight or so? Yeah. West Virginia one is running seven. one at seven. Uh, West Virginia is running an RPO 33% of the time. So one in three passes or, or, or I guess, including the runs um, 
is, is an RPO concept, which is just, again, literally, I mean, double, more than double what TCU is doing. They're kind of forcing a, a defender to make a decision. I think that's something we've talked about wanting TCU to do, but it's something that Neil Brown is really, really good at. His Troy teams have done a lot of this. They'll, they'll put a guy in motion and then kind of create a conflict defender. So there's some eerie similarities here but then just some slight differences in West Virginia is utilizing middle of the field more, uh, inducing more RPOs. And I think that's something that good teams do, right? We talked about this going into the Oklahoma game where nearly every single pass Spencer Rattler threw had a, a either a play action or a, a read or whatever, but just something to make the defense freeze, whether that was for timing or to draw a defender or whatever. And it's not hard to tag on. You know, it's, it's, it's just one more motion the quarterback has to make while his receivers get downfield, and it adds, like I think, like you said, just another layer to the offense. Um, Neil Brown's a very good coach. That's not surprising that he took those lessons. Well, what's really interesting, too, is that it, everywhere he's gone, his defense has outpaced his offense, which I think is just right. weird. It, uh, it is weird, especially for an air raid team. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if Mike Leach had a – look, Mike Leach is Mike Leach, but if he had a defense that – if, if Mike Leach cared about defense, who knows what this Washington State teams could have done instead of trying to score one more point, the opposite of the way Gary Patterson likes to score one more point, right? Um, who knows what they could have done in, in, uh, in Pullman. But, um, yeah, it's, it's weird to see Brown thrive on defenses that really don't have any stars on the roster. They're, they're just really, really solid teams. Yeah, so so I will say, I mean, we've talked about the Stills brothers uh, a, a ton up front. Yeah. And they are, that defensive line is one of the better units in the Big 12, um, which should strike fear into the hearts of TCU fans who have already had to play uh, Jaquan Bailey and Wyatt Hubert and Joseph Asai um, and Nick Benito for Oklahoma. We, we're adding some more pass rush. And so that, I feel like, is probably the key matchup there. TCU is allowing a pressure on 35% of passes, which is – uh, as they say in the business, extremely bad, mm-hmm. and uh, and and West Virginia is causing pressure at a at a, at a pretty substantial rate, and so um, that I think will kind of uh, yet again define the ceiling for TCU's offense. Can they protect Max Duggan enough to kind of develop these sophisticated routes, or will it be Max Duggan scrambling for his life again? He's scrambling on almost one out of every ten pass attempts. Yeah, and so. This is something that Neil Brown said. Um, actually, we found this in the in, in the preview on, on uh, West Virginia's website. I was actually going to uh, use this as our say nice things about Max Duggan segment. Oh, segment were you? Okay. Neil Brown well, does say something nice about Max Duggan. So we'll do it now. He does. Great. Neil okay, Brown, great. Say, say nice things about Max Duggan. What you do is you prepare for quarterback run game, whether it's design runs when they're calling it or if it's in the pass game and he pulls the ball down and scrambles. You have to put at least one more hat in the box, whether it's your nickel or your safety. So you've got to get another guy down in the box to help account for him. Grant, if you're an opposing coach and you hear this in the press conference, what are you doing for Saturday? Why, I'm throwing uh, behind the nickel. I'm throwing the hell out of the ball. Yeah, I'm (laughs) going, hey, that's fine. Come on up and come get our boy because he will throw it over your head. Uh, please put another man in the box. Please force TCU's hand to not rush the ball all the damn time because their run blocking is terrible and their passing game, they can at least theoretically get the ball out quick. Um, I I do think that Max Duggan has earned the respect for the running game. I think he's one of the better running quarterbacks in the league, even though he's basically had to do it running for his life. The design quarterback run game has not been very good for TCU this year. Well, yeah, come on. Two boom plays last week. Was the second one of those – I thought one of those was a scramble. The first one might have been. The second was – The second a was key. a designed run. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, and so Doug, Duggan can absolutely run it. Uh, I just think that if it, TCU should be gearing up to pass, knowing they're going to have an extra guy in the box, um, I, I'm worried that the matchup uh, at the defensive line against – TC's offensive line is going to be such a factor that they'll try and kind of scheme into this like screens and, and running the ball thing to, to mitigate that. Yeah. And what's one thing you don't want to do when the defense is creeping up to the line of scrimmage, those screens and run the ball. I mean, it, it, I mean, that just brings defensive players closer to where the ball is. It limits the amount of space that you're going to navigate with your receiver on the outside or your running back, you know, between the tackles or around the tackles. 
I mean, I understand what you mean and that, that Duggan is going to have to get the ball out quick, but with everyone creeping up, that seems to kind of be – it's antithetical. I don't know how you make that an adjective, but you know what I mean. Yes, I'm, 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 I'm there with you. And, um, but, but then again, the West Virginia defense is kind of like pick your poison. Grant, there's a case to be made that West Virginia is the best defense that TCU has faced all year. There is. Um, and by a case to be made, I mean, it's, it's almost an objective fact. Um, and so you start to think, Grant, what did, what did TCU do against the 113th worst defense in the nation last week? Uh, they scored 34 points and refused to move the ball in the red zone. Just absolutely refused to do it. Just, just said, nope, we're not, we're not doing it. So I don't even know if they're going to have an opportunity to get to the red zone here. Well, of course they will. I mean, think about the punt return game. That's the bread and butter. Well, that is that is true. The punt return game is is going to be uh, pretty stout. I mean, and then even TCU's been able to like convert on on third downs. West Virginia is you know thirty eighth on third and short success rate. They're they're really just kind of like stifling you. It looks like it's going to be really really hard to move the ball against West Virginia in any meaningful kind of way. Um, they, They've allowed one or two big runs, but realistically, the the only teams that have beat them have been able to get kind of quote unquote lucky on some big plays. Texas with a couple of rushes early on, and then it was kind of a stalemate. And then uh, Texas Tech uh, got got lucky on a couple of big plays in the passing game, and then had to uh, had to rely on some turnovers to beat West Virginia. So uh, a little bit scary there, um, especially when you factor in the fact that. West Virginia has been unlucky on turnovers. Their turnover margin is minus 1.2, which is 92nd in the nation, but their plus one in, uh, or sorry, their expected turnover ratio is minus 1.2, which is 92nd in the nation, but they're plus one on turnovers. Um, so, so again, that's, you know, a swing of about two turnovers isn't really significant um, in terms of expectation of reality. And so I, I just, I, they, they got unlucky against Texas Tech, and the rest of the time, they've just been consistent and solid. This is a, a, a very, very scary team to me. Speaking of turnovers, it's where I was going to go next. I know turnovers are kind of random. We talked about this last week going into the Texas Tech game with their defense, and, okay, like, you know, Keith Patterson knows how to create interceptions, and that's probably not true. But West Virginia does have nine interceptions this year. They are opportunistic, uh, and those are spread out over eight guys. Uh, Alonzo Adai is the only one that has more than one interception. He's got two. Um, so th- it is an opportunistic defense for sure. Um, and, and like and you said, very consistent. I don't think I'm worried as much about that because – so you saw that stat TCU's last not, week. Well, I'll tell you why I'm not worried because TCU is not going to throw the ball enough for them to be able to pick it off. Right. Uh, and I you mean, saw that stat last week about like Max Duggan threw his first interception in 128 attempts, yeah. which is a TC record. And I was like, well, it's also probably a TC record for passes behind the line of scrimmage uh, over that span yeah. of 128 attempts. So like, sure, he's, he's not being allowed to throw passes that could theoretically be intercepted most of the time. Um, my, my question is really what TCU offense is going to show up. This is an excellent West Virginia defense. Um, they are going to try and dictate the pace of play. They are going to say, do what, do what you want. We're going we're gonna to shut it down. Um, and I just don't know what TCU wants to do on offense. Well, okay, I know I'm normally the optimist on this podcast, but I have to ask, what, what versions of the TCU offense are there? Is, so I'm guessing you're saying second half Iowa State – First half Baylor would be the, you know, those are the good TCU offenses. And everything else, it's been similar and bad. So I, I don't, which TCU offense is going to show up? It's going to be the same one. We're just going to have to kind of – TCU is just going to have to navigate around it. Yeah, I mean, well, well, I don't think there is a, as, as dichotomous a split as, hey, there's a good TCU offense and a bad TCU offense. I think there's, there's a split between a TCU offense that is maximizing their sp- – strengths and opportunity in a, in a smart way, mostly because they're playing desperate, mostly because they're trying to make up a lead. Um, or is there a TCU offense who is saying, Hey, we're going to pursue these normative commitments that don't really center around scoring points. Um, and because of that, we're going to, we're going to struggle. Like TCU, is this offense going to be the, Hey, let's move the ball offense. Or is it going to be the, Hey, let's not score turnover. Like let's not turn the ball over and try and run the clock out offense. Um, 
you know, shorten the game. And, and I think we've seen both versions of that in kind of a Jekyll and Hyde. And that's really what you talk about is, you know, you look at first half Texas versus second half Texas, first half Baylor versus second half Baylor, um, the last two drives against Oklahoma versus the rest of the game, the second half Iowa State, uh, you almost wish someone would just come out and rig the scoreboard to say TCU zero, West Virginia 21 on the first drive and, and kind of trick TCU into a sense of security that says, oh, no, we need to, or a sense of urgency, rather, says, oh, no, we need to, uh, we, we need to score. No, no, I completely agree. And it's, it's, it's yeah, I know what you mean. I, I just – I, I'm, I'm a big fan of that saying too. It's okay. You know, he, is a good TCU or the bad TCU? Well, it's all bad. I mean, and, and I, I think it's the situational stuff. Like you said, it's okay. Well, okay. They're down by, you know, 14 with a minute left in the first half. Wow. All of a sudden we're throwing the ball downfield and moving it. Um, but that's more of a situational thing than anything. I haven't seen a complete game plan yet. So I have no reason to expect, even though I do hope that it'll show up against West Virginia again. And I'm the optimist on this podcast. Um, yeah, but I mean, look. Hopefully, it will. Maybe it will. Who who knows? Stranger um, stranger things have happened. So, something we haven't done. We should do. Uh, well, two things. One, there's an amazing name on West Virginia that I think we're going to see, uh, given Letty Brown being out. Uh, I don't. I don't want to steal this. I want you to have this. Yeah, this this man's name, and let me make sure I get this correct because it is an awesome name. Is uh, <clears throat> a various sparrow. Which is an incredible name. I, did, uh, I didn't even know that I have a comment back. on that, other than just to appreciate the magnanimity. Uh, magnanimity Hell of a name. Of that name. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of great names on West Virginia. Um, and I mean this sincerely. Their defense is filled with guys that have great names. Uh, Nick Troy, Fortune. Uh, Nick, Vandarius Cowan. X-Ree, Lowe. I mean, these are all great names. Very excellent. Uh, Malachi Ruffin. That's, that sounds like a... God, Malachi Ruff, it's an awesome name. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Well, and that's that's a good segue because I do want to talk about some of the names on West Virginia. Who should TCU fans kind of look out? Who's going to get a lot of the production? So at running back, of course, with with Letty Brown out, uh, the, the guy who's taken the most carries behind him is Alex Sinkfield. Uh, but he's only taken 68, 68 carries compared to Letty Brown's 140. Um, so who really knows what's, what's going to happen there? Um, I, I think the man of the hour is, of course, Jarrett Dagey. Um, mm-hmm. He, you know, played TC last year. He, they, they preserved his red shirt. He only played in the last four games. Clearly, Neil Brown's quarterback. He looked pretty good at the beginning of the year and then has not looked as good since. He, he has a 74.9 passing grade, uh, according to PFF. He and Max Duggan are very similar in adjusted completion percentage, you know, when you account for drops and throwaways. Um, He's got 11 touchdowns, averaging 7.1 yards per attempt. He's completing 65% of his passes. He's been fine. He's not amazing. He's not a game breaker. He can punish you when you make a mistake, which is a a compliment for a college football quarterback, many of whom, like I am on a day-to-day basis, are just keeping their heads above water. Um, and so certainly a, a, a competent quarterback, he's on the path of development. Similar things we'd say about Max Duggan. He's not great now, but he's uh, building towards being a very, very good quarterback in the Big 12. Um, I think that he makes a lot of good decisions. Uh, sorry, it makes a lot of bad decisions, but it's kind of bailed out by one, getting the ball out quickly, and two, mm-hmm. their scheme just has receivers open. So if you throw the ball to the wrong guy – uh, when there, when there's like big open guys, um, you know, there's kind of a lot of margin for error. And so Neil Brown's done a really good job at kind of coaxing Daigie into being a competent, uh, starting quarterback and passer, even as he struggles with youth, uh, as a quarterback normally would. Yeah. And I think that's something that Brown's done a really good job with. And we talked about air raid before. Okay. So, so we mentioned Mike Leach, look at Leach. When you figure out an air raid system, Okay, it's great. You rush three, you drop eight, and you take away that space um, for the receivers to run into. West Virginia, with Letty Brown uh, and with a couple of other backs in the scheme that Brown has, that Neil Brown has designed, um, creates enough of a running threat to where you can't drop eight. You probably have to rush for uh, at least maybe five, and that that opens up that space for for Daigie to throw into. So it's not the same air raid. It's not the same answers that you would find 
going up against Mississippi State with Mike Leach there, it's a little bit different. And I think that's also, as, as you alluded to, been very, very helpful for Dakey because he's, he has Brown as at least some threat that a lot of air raid schools don't. Yeah, and I think that TCU is particularly ill-suited this year in terms of personnel to kind of play that, you know, we, we'd like to drop eight, but we're going to put somebody in coverage. I mean, you, you saw last year, this hasn't happened this year, but like Parker Workman was in coverage or O'Shawn Mathis was spying the quarterback. Um, I think Workman like, made like one play. I'm almost positive. It was a, it, like, it, it was a disaster otherwise, but he did make one play. Where I was like, damn, this might work. Yeah. And, and then and, and you just have these guys that are very much, they're only edge rushers. They're not kind of hybrids. Like ideally one of those guys, I don't know, someone who played on a national championship team, who played on a Dave Aranda defense, who was really good at rushing, but could also drop back and kind of be this linebacker guy uh, in, in coverage would be really valuable right now. Uh, if only know, you could find someone like that. I know zero guys that are like that. Abs- yeah. You see what sing- I did there? Single yeah. zero. Um, single zero guys that are like that. Yeah, so so I think that's where TC's personnel is a little bit stuck. Like the the three two six, it's really the three three five. I don't care. It's not new. Um, the Kendrick Van Zandt is a linebacker. I'll say it. I've said it before. I'll say it again. He's he's not really playing linebacker. He's he's not not playing linebacker. Uh, but all that to say that that look looks good. But they TCU clearly doesn't have the personnel to kind of defend the run out of the three three, out of a three man front. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think we're going to stick with the four down, except in obvious passing situations, which is fine. At least the three, three, five in an obvious passing situation is an upgrade, but sure. um, you, you kind of wonder, you know, if, if West Virginia just came out and said, Hey, we're going to, again, Brown may be hurt. Uh, and so who knows what's going to happen with that. But like if West Virginia came out and just said like, Hey, we're just going to RPO and give until you stop it. And then we're going to go full air raid. Um I think they could find some really good matchups against TCU. Their offense has really struggled, and TCU's defense is really good. TCU's defense is especially really good against offenses who are struggling. Um, and so I, I, I really just think that West Virginia could find some mojo there. They do a lot of really interesting, like, arc return motion stuff mm-hmm. that if TCU gets stuck in not being able to substitute, could potentially exploit some matchups that, that, are, that are pretty scary. They could. I will say the one saving grace for TCU is that they're finally not playing a mobile quarterback, uh, which has been the Frogs' nightmare for all week. Uh, Jared Dagey, not a not fleet of foot, I would say. His, his longest run this year is eight yards. Um, uh, he's ran the ball. Now, this is also counting sacks, which kind of stinks, um, but 27 yards for negative – or 27 times for negative 62 yards. Um, and, again, his longest run is eight. So they at least don't have to worry about – him taking off and scrambling, which has burnt TCU in the past, or taking it on like a, a, a read option or anything. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I, I think that at least takes away a dimension that TCU's really struggled with. Um, outside, Sam James is kind of the underneath threat uh, for, for West Virginia. He's been really good. He has, he has 9.2 yards per reception um, and, and is really just clearly that open in space guy. He's about six foot and 180, so he's not, you know, a big outside threat. Um, Bryce Ford Wheaton is also their, their kind of downfield guy, 16.2 yards per completion. He's only catching 48% of the balls thrown his way. So like, clearly those are high risk, high reward. Oh, yeah. Home balls. run balls. But he also has 8.5 yards after catch per reception. Um, and so the, the dude is, the dude is kind of catching these home run balls, but then he's also making a guy miss. And so TCU with some cornerback depth issues that, that could be a little bit scary there. Um, the third guy, three of them are tied for the lead in targets, uh, clearly above everyone else is Winston Wright, who also seems to be kind of that secondary, secondary deeper option, 12.5 yards per reception. Uh, he, he actually leads the team in receiving yards at 251 overall. Um, and, and the big number on him, Grant, is 18 of West Virginia's first downs have come to Wright. Uh, 34 of West Virginia's, uh, what, 90 first downs. So a third of the first downs in pass, in the pass game uh, are Wright or Wheaton. Because, again, air raid, they're just saying, run to the yep. sticks, turn around, you're going to get the ball. And, and so TCU is really, really poised in the pass game to kind of disrupt crossing routes and stuff. I think that underneath threat 
especially in kind of those third down situations could be an opportunity for West Virginia to, to exploit TC's defense. I agree. And I would also point out that uh, Ford Wheaton scares me because he is 6'3", 218 and can do all the things that you mentioned above. Uh, Which is so, what we talked about against TCU and, and Texas Tech's receivers. And yes. Grant, can I tell you a secret about last week? Uh, Texas Tech's receivers scored two really, really easy touchdowns. And had like two or three drops that probably would have yeah. – yeah, I mean, Texas Tech's receivers – and again, they're backups. I get it. We didn't hear Trevius Havilis Tomlinson's name. Like, he did great. No. But I'm saying there is a clear hole in TCU's defense, and a big athlete can very much – exploit that uh exploit that hole yeah i agree um yeah okay do you want to do you want to do best case worst case we're uh we're going yes on time i could go here. real doomsday with uh with worst case so why don't you go worst case first Wait. and i'll kind of check my emotions okay well, i i i really don't think a blowout is 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 likely even worst case i think what we're going to see is a game that's just a little bit worse than last year. To me, last year was worst case going into that game. I would have much preferred to be blown out than whatever the hell that apathetic show was. Can I read my, can I read my stat about last year? I haven't had an opportunity to organically put it in there. (laughs) Talk about worst case scenario, 2019 TCU won the turnover battle. They outgained the Mountaineers by about 0.2 yards per play. And they got a punt return touchdown and they still lost. It was the absolute worst game. Okay, all of that is possible this year. Yes, to happen. Absolutely. That is my worst case scenario. Is that this winds up being what was it, twenty four seventeen last year, twenty to seventeen? Twenty seventeen. Yeah, twenty seventeen. So I think you add a touch. So I would say it'd be about twenty four thirteen this year because TC refuses to score in the, in the end zone, and that's completely possible. Twenty four thirteen in an absolute slog in Morgantown. Yeah, so the thing that makes me nervous here is that they scored, what, 34, 37 points against Kansas State. Kansas State's defense is 41st. Kansas State is not that much worse than TCU on defense, and they're better than TCU on offense. Counterpoint, so they, they only scored 38 against Kansas. Yeah, they kind of pulled punches there. Um, they lost to Texas Tech. The transitive property doesn't hold. I could see this being I, – I, I can't see this being a, a blowout but I can see this being a drubbing. I could see them picking on whatever backup cornerback TCU has out there. I could see TCU's offense really, really struggling against an excellent defense and uh, giving a long enough leash to West Virginia's offense that they're going to uh, – that this could be something in the realm of like 34-13. Just, just a god-awful game. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I do want to go best case, though, which is that uh, – I think this game's going to be close if TCU wins. I don't think they're going to come in and blow out West Virginia, but I, I do think there's an opportunity for TCU to hit um, Barber or Davis or whoever on some of those routes behind the nickels that come up, as, as we said, and just kind of take advantage of some of those opportunities. It, it'll, it'll be a break, but, or excuse me, yeah, it'll be a break game. It's going to be a lot of big plays if TCU wins. I don't think they're going to be able to, to sustain drives, but I think there's chances for TCU to, to kind of find holes in the West Virginia defense, even – as aggressive as they are. Um, so I think TCU does enough uh, on offense and, and the defense, which has played pretty well hold uh, against West Virginia. Uh, maybe, you know, Lady Brown can't go. Again, I never root for a kid not to be able to play, but it would help TCU uh, if, if he takes this week off. Uh, and TCU wins something like 28 to 24. 28 is so many points. Are we back to this bit? I don't know. We're back to this bit. Um, the spread is What's West the bit? Ver- the bit is TCU can't score. <laughs> <laughs> they scored 34 last week. How many drives did it take them to get to 34? That, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. It's that does game. matter. That absolutely matters. Um, oh, no. Grant, Grant, I can make 100, 100 uh, three-pointers. That's a lot. I'm a good I, three-point okay. shooter. Uh, Parker, you've got to know the denominator. The denominator write matters. Down. Write this down. We're, no. Are you familiar with the, okay. <laughs> Complete digression, <laughs> but, but – <laughs> you <laughs> off season <laughs> off season idea are you familiar with the elam ending in basketball yes okay we need to figure out a way to do this for football because that kind of ties into like drives all that this like goes you could, with you could really do it you said something maybe off off air last year that stuck with me it was like what white guy bored in class didn't have a, a college football realignment yeah. map yeah and I, and I think the same goes for uh some kind of overtime idea 
Um, so yes. yes, we'll absolutely talk about that. That's okay. a good idea. Um, the spread is West Virginia minus three. The over under is 45. I think the under is TCU's best case scenario. I think the, the winning with under 18 points is like TCU's best case scenario because that means they just absolutely smother, absolutely smother West Virginia's offense. No special teams weirdness happens. And TCU gets out of there like 13 to three. It is ugly. It is terrible. But you're in Morgantown and your offense does enough that two excellent defenses kind of determine the game. Can I, can, can I revise my best case scenario? My best case is that this game lasts under two hours and 30 minutes so that I can get back to watching the Masters as quickly as possible. Because I don't want to watch TC West Virginia. Yeah. And if, it, if it's 13-3, that's probably a quick game. Yeah. You know, there's not a whole lot of point. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Um, okay. Predictions first or Twitter? What do you want to do? Let's do predictions and let's see Twitter. I haven't looked at Twitter, so if, if you've got, right, we got a good. we got a couple stragglers here. Um, Perfect predictions. I'll uh, I'll I'll let's see. I don't remember what I had going into the year. I'm sure I had West Virginia. I'm sure I had TC winning this game, but I think West Virginia is better than I thought they were going to be. Um, I'll say uh, I'll say West Virginia wins if you if you're going to make me predict. I'll say 21-17 West Virginia. Ooh, I like 21-17. I'm kind of pulling up my game matchups because I can't remember exactly the score that I had, but uh, this is great podcasting. I'm not editing this out. No, that's fine. Dead air is what the people want. Uh, Interesting. Okay, so I have this almost a dead heat. Uh, I have West Virginia – I have 29-26 West Virginia. So that's like a 52% win probability. 26 is so many points. 26 is so many points. So, so I think what I would do is actually revise this downward. And I, I actually want uh, 28-20 West Virginia. I think TCU is going to score. I think they'll right the ship a little bit. I don't think they're going to do very well against West Virginia's offense. Like, well, let me rephrase that. I think they're going to do very well against West Virginia's offense relative to what I expect them to do based on what they did last week. I do not think it will be enough for them to win. Gotcha. gotcha. Okay. There you have it. Um, Twitter questions from at big sad fan. Uh, how many games does TCU win the rest of the year in bold projections? So I want to touch on this first. Well, I'm also stalling to pull up the list of bowls. Um, I wrote last week that TCU needs to win uh, against Texas Tech, against West Virginia, and against Kansas for this season to be a success. I still think that that's true. Uh, however, I don't necessarily think that it's going to happen. Uh, it, you know, this Saturday is a winnable game. Against Kansas, obviously, is a winnable game. And then we'll see what, happen against, what happens against Oklahoma State. Um, if you held a gun to my head, I, I think the safest bet moving forward is for TCU to win Kansas, and that's it for the rest of the year, which puts them at four and five. It's not out of the realm of possibility for them to – Finish at six and three. I just think four and five is probably the safest bet. Yeah, I, I, I think I think I agree with that in its entirety. I think that TCU is probably not leaving the Metroplex for a bowl, um, whether that's Heart of Dallas first responders or whatever, or whether that is uh, Armed Forces Bowl. I just I'm glad for the bowl practices. Um, I did see ESPN had. TCU projected to uh, play SMU in the Armed Forces Bowl. And let me just tell you, nope, not happening. No, uh, no, 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 no. I do not will, want that. TCU will 100, uh, not 100, TCU will 80% play SMU in Fort Worth in December. It will not be in the Armed Forces Bowl. Uh, it could be in the first responder bowl, which is an absolute possibility. Although that's in Dallas, no, but still. No, TCU and SMU are not playing in a bowl game. They're, if they are going to play this year, it will be in the regular season. Um, uh, I, yeah, no, I know. Um, I, I, that's it's not, not insider info. Bowl. That's that's I know, tea I know. leaves. But yeah, I know. so it's, so it's I, it's gonna be a bad game. The guaranteed rate bowl. Where is that? Wait, is that the cheese bowl? No, I, I I want you to guess. Where is the okay? Oh the no, no, the bowl has moved. The cheese bowl is no longer in Phoenix. Uh, Correct, but the guaranteed rate bowl is the one in Phoenix. Okay, that's what that's what I was asking. Yeah, that's the new cheese. The, the cheese bowl is in Orlando now. Is it the new – oh, they moved up. It's the new Russell Athletic. Camp it is the new Russell yeah. Athletic. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Moving yeah. on up. So, yeah, I, I think TC's not leaving the Metroplex for a bowl. That's my prediction. It's going to be against some random-ass team like 
FAU or something. I mean, FAU is not going to win enough to get there, but that, 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 that caliber Frisco tropical smoothie bowl, something like yeah. that. Yeah. Tropical smoothie bowl. That's a bowl. That's Frisco. I think. Uh, not unless it got canceled. It's not this year. Hold on. I, I'm now I'm curious. It's the Frisco. It's just the Frisco bowl. Well, uh, I'm according to sure Wikipedia. 2020 Tropical Smoothie Cafe Frisco Bowl. No, because last year it was Kent State and. Uh, yeah, no, no, no. Don't get. No, no, no. Don't come in here with that weak Todd action. Okay. Uh, that okay. was a throwback to a Sonic commercial from 2008. Sorry. I, I do remember that. <laughs> Can I. Okay, we're, we're down this rabbit hole and we're late enough in the podcast. Did you know Coastal Carolina Stadium is hosting a bowl? Heck yeah. They're in Charlotte. I mean, no, they're not. They're out there. Where's Coastal Carolina? Charlotte Charlotte? Is in, Charlotte's in Charlotte. Sorry. Coastal Carolina is in Conway, South Carolina. That's the middle of gosh dang nowhere. It's, it, it's, it's part of the Myrtle Beach metropolitan area. Oh, Myrtle Beach is great. It's fantastic. It'll be at Brooks Stadium. Um, okay, so I'm tie- tying a bow on that. We agree. TC yes, probably median, median outcome is four wins. I would not bet anything higher than five. I think that unless they do something crazy, they're not leaving the Metroplex for a bowl and TCU fans should just be happy that we get the bowl practices. Okay. I have a lot of thoughts on, do you ever just think something is true because you've been told it a lot and then actually never really think about whether or not it's true? That's my entire life. Okay. As much as I've been told by, uh, I don't know, the TCU coaching staff that, those bowl practices are like the most important thing in the world. Are they? Because we haven't yes. seen a whole lot of development. Uh, I mean, yeah. So, so you could look at like a counterfactual of, well, 2013, they didn't go to a bowl and then look at 2014 and they were really great. So it didn't matter. I'm saying if you have a, a, a young quarterback and a young offensive line, you want to be able to do live practice with them as, as often as possible. Yeah. I, I'm saying, I'm sure it doesn't hurt. Don't get me wrong. There's probably there's there's not a negative there, but I'm curious to see actually how much. Well, so so another counterpoint I'll throw at that is uh, there will be zero coaching changes in the Big Twelve this year. That is uh, true. Everyone's ski like I'm talking. I don't even think coordinators are gone, uh, I, unless Brent Deerman decides to unhitch and just try and save save face I, and then get another job somewhere else. But dude, I, I don't even think coordinators are going to be gone. Um, I the only thing I'll say there. Herman's not leaving, but if Texas has a bad loss coming up, a coordinator might go. Okay, I'll add two exceptions. One, so well, let me think. Let me think. Most most of them, because my three, I'm, I'm adding exceptions. I don't think Dearman will leave. I could see Dearman leaving. You're right about Texas. The other one is like Larry Fedora might be gone, but to where? Uh, well, oh right, yeah, yeah, I got you. I mean, it just. Uh, well, I, th- I think he's been Back so hampered. Back to the bowels of hell is where Larry Fedora is going. Chapel Hill? That's where he was before <laughs> this. Uh, it, uh, he's been hampered by Brewer. That's not his fault. It's not Brewer's fault either. He's just hurt. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I'm not saying any of those are going to happen. But I'm saying largely stability. TCU defense especially is is largely game plan based. Uh, and so I, I think that uh, especially with what we've seen about like Gary Patterson looking at what teams are saying in their press conference, how variant TCU's offense is from week to week based on what defenses are showing. I, I do think being able to kind of do some like long-term install over those next weeks will be really, really good, especially with the turnover you have on defense. I think that's completely yeah. fair. Um, so, all right. So let's, let's hope for bowl practices. Uh, okay. And then the only other Twitter question we got um, two parter from friend of the podcast, Will Brasher, uh, Based on name alone, who on the TCU roster uh, would be the best golfer uh, for Masters Week? Uh, I So I went down a, a little rabbit hole here on TCU names. I think Bud Clark, uh, who, A, I can't wait to see take the field. Um, is he, he was strong. absolutely a web.com tour golfer who went to probably not Georgia, but maybe Georgia State and plays with a wad of uh, red man in at all times. Uh, I think he would be a good pick. I also think that, um, like, the mid-'90s and the, the mid-2000s, I, I love golfers from that era because their names are so completely nondescript. Um, like, Will Houston, uh, who's a long snapper, would be great there. Uh, ben Reppenhagen, like, that guy won 
in Orlando one year and they never won again. <laughs> um, like anyway, there's a lot of great names there. Okay, um, without without knowing very much about golf, the one that stuck out to me. <laughs> this is really funny. Uh, Wilson Long is a freshman. Uh, yeah, yeah that's a good like, one. Wilson Long probably won a couple tournaments here and there. He absolutely did. Yeah, he's yeah. also sponsored by Wilson. It's him and Gary Woodland, so that works out perfectly. Um, yes, absolutely. He plays Wilson staff, and uh, he he's he's just dominant in uh, in the winter. No, the we're RSM doing this classics. so wrong. I just scrolled through. This is not fair. TCU has a place kicker who will never see the light of day, whose name is Maxwell Finch. Oh, you're right. Yeah, that's yeah. the winner. He, yes. Yeah. Maxwell Finch played at Vanderbilt. There's no doubt. Um, and then any initial thoughts on Big 12 basketball season, which is coming up? Uh, friend of the podcast, Will asks. Uh, I have not. I know Baylor's really good, and I'm really excited to see Kevin Samuel uh, and uh, PJ Fuller and, and Arjun Empire kind of cook. Got to miss Desmond Bain a ton. But. Uh, we should do this on air. Are we going to talk about basketball? I don't know what we're going to do when football season. Well, I, you know what? Well, it'll be mostly football, but I say we spend a good 15 minutes talking about well, 10 that's, that's over committing 10 minutes talking about basketball every week. Uh, say nice things about TCU basketball. Say, ni- say nice things about uh, uh, Francisco Farabella. Uh, uh, or else you're not allowed on the podcast. Ken Palm has TCU at 53rd in preseason rankings, which is like, so it's not that, bad. that doesn't mean a lot, but that's way better than TCU was before Jamie Newman got, or Jamie Dixon got here. Uh, that's like 51 is Maryland, 52 Utah, then TCU, then Arkansas, NC State, Butler, and then SMU at 57. So like very respectable with a lot of upside. Um, so, so not anything crazy. I don't expect them to do well uh, this year, but they are going to be very big. And that is going to be something different in the Big 12. Uh, Ken Palm actually has them – eighth not last in the big 12 which last year they were last in the big 12 so uh mo- moving on up the big 12 also has five teams in the Ken Palm top 10 they do baylor kansas tech west virginia and texas yeah so so my thoughts on big 12 basketball are there are some very good teams tcu might be a nationally decent team but i do not think they will be a big 12 decent team which is kind of similar to last year i mean they were decent last year they just had a lot of turnover problems uh, at very inopportune times um, but they were in games. Yeah, they – uh, I don't know. Man, their offense was 119th. No, no, no. TCU finished 86th last year. They fell off so hard. I know what you're I, – I agree with your point. They just fell off the map so hard. They did. No, they, they lost did. one, two, three, four, five, six in a row at one point, and then six of seven, seven of eight. I mean, they, they lost like 11 of their last 13, 14 games, like real bad. I know it, it was it was not good, but all of them like TCU was, they kind of had a chance to win, or at least you know there were some crushing losses: one, two, three, four, five, six, six one point losses, yeah, or single digit one losses. Point? So. Okay, single digit. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. I, was I was going Jesus, one score. One point touchdowns don't count in college basketball. <laughs> not yet, they don't. Again, until we introduce our new uh, Elam ending. Uh, coming soon in the offseason on the Purple Theory podcast. Quick before we go, can you name the worst Power Five college basketball team on Ken Palm without looking? Okay, I'm not looking. I'm on TC's page, Integrity Move. Um, worst Power Five college basketball team has to be – let me think about this. Continue to think because I'm trying to scroll and find it. Oregon State has a pulse. They're actually scrappy. Stanford's probably pretty bad. Uh, per, uh, no, Purdue's always good. It's not who I was thinking of. Um, this isn't fair. I didn't really give you any time to think about it. but No, it's got to be somebody in the ACC. It's got to be Georgia Tech under Josh Passner or something. Let me make sure that I'm that – I'm- Georgia, Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech or Stanford are my two entries. Georgia Tech is actually seventy fifth, seventy third. Well, that's going to go down. Uh, it is, uh, yeah, it is Washington State. Oh, son of a gun! Of course it is. That was so stupid. Yes, obviously, one hundred thirty sixth yes, in the country. Uh, behind, they are behind one spot behind the Texas State Bobcats. 
go go bot. What do they say? Go bob, bob cats. Bob those, uh, is it bob bob them cats? No, I should know this because <laughs> all my friends with the Texas State. I think it's eat them up, but I'm not sure. That would be appropriate. I I nope. I, I move. I'll, I'll put a formal request into uh, Shayhan and Dave Tam Dave Campbell to make it bob them cats because that's way better. Oh. <laughs> okay, you do that. <laughs> All right. Well, I okay. think that is yeah. uh, I think, that's I think officially our yeah. podcast. This is fun. Um, yeah. Purple Theory newsletter coming out tomorrow morning. Thanks for being flexible. It's not like we're not doing our jobs. Uh, one, because this isn't our job. But two, we're just like, hey, I think we're going to go on Thursday because it's a little more like game day feel. We like doing the podcast first and kind of verbalizing these thoughts. So uh, newsletter will come out in the morning on Thursday. Uh, and then we'll be around on, on Saturday for the game. Um, other than that, I mean, follow me on Twitter at Stats of War. Grant is at Grant in the Galliard, spelled like it sounds with all those vowels. If you have strong thoughts about what we should do when the football season is over, just because I opened that door earlier, hit me up. We're, uh, you know, especially if you're a paying subscriber, tell us what you want there. Uh, we, we could yeah. learn about basketball. We can talk about basketball. I have some basketball numbers. Um, we continue to do college football and then kind of plow through that. So we'll talk about that at a later date. Other than that, TCU West Virginia this Saturday. Hopefully the Frogs can go to a winning record for the first time this season, for the first time since, shoot, I don't know, week six of last season. Um, Gosh, other than that, yeah, that's depressing. It is depressing. There's a good note to end on. <laughs>